Hello, and thank you for joining us on another episode of Why Theory. As always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined, as always, by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Ryan. How about you? I'm doing good, or should I say I'm not doing good? It's not good to talk to you. (laughs) That is pretty funny. I think you're giving away the... In case somebody didn't read the title of the episode before they clicked on, you just gave it away. Yes, I just gave it away. Yes, we are giving a banal introduction to the topic of negation. We are talking today about the concept of negation um, specifically, well, broader, we're going to yoke it into uh, a discussion of Hegel and tarrying with the negative and the negation of the negation. But this is a return to our uh, sometimes series on uh, Freud essays. Uh, this is a very famous one, um, published uh, in German. I'm right. I think I'm right in saying in 1923. Um, in English, 1920. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. 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 And then English in 25. Right. Yeah. 25. Translated by Joan Riviere, not uh, James Strachey, uh, as is uh, typical um, for the uh, standard edition. Um, and it is one of. It's a. It's a short essay. It is an. Uh, I think an impactful essay. It's one of uh, Freud's most concise, uh, and it is another in in our examples of psychoanalytic ideas that have just been absorbed into the mainstream. So, for example, I I did a stupid banal thing at the beginning of this, but um, everybody knows, everybody knows, if you hear someone and they're about to say, they're about if they're going to begin a sentence like this, not to be racist, but you know that that person is about to say something incredibly racist. Like right. you, 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 just, you know, hundred percent, right. just, right. just don't just, just, you know, like not, or, or like even let's just, let's take that out. Or the like, simpler one, to, no offense, right? No like, offense. Exactly. No offense. Yeah. No, right. no offense. And then, you know what you should do? Just don't finish that. That's what you probably right. should do. Cause you clearly, there's going to be some offense coming. Um, that is a total, total, total common sense, mainstream understanding but there's a lot more to it, um, and I, I, I think uh, I feel very confident in saying that, like that idea of the the negation confirming the opposite uh, comes from this essay is is sourced from from Freud and psychoanalysis. What do you think about that, Todd? Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, I think that this essay part of the, I mean, I think part part of the real charm of the essay is the way that for one thing it's very short, so you could read it <laughs> in about. I don't know, five or 10 minutes. And then, yeah. uh, but, but the real charm of it is that it shows how this everyday, just like you're saying, this everyday phenomenon really reveals something about the psyche that, that you maybe think you're hiding by putting mm-hmm. in, he, he even, Freud even says, you, we put a negative sign. He, he uses a kind of mathematical term. We put a negative sign before a, an idea that we introduce but psychoanalysis mm-hmm. just disregards the negative sign. It just says, oh, <laughs> right, no, right. the negative sign is a way. And his idea is that, and I think this is 100% right, his idea is that y- the, the negating something makes it more access- acceptable, accessible mm-hmm. to consciousness, something that's mm-hmm. an idea that's repressed and cannot be, cannot be on its own acceptable because mm-hmm. it gets this negation attached to it. Like the idea that I'm an offensive person or that I'm a racist, if I attach the negative sign to it, then my offensive or my racist idea can be, I, I can feel free to articulate it in a way that I wouldn't feel free otherwise. So it, it's a, I, I think it's that Freud, what Freud's getting at is the way that the negation opens up 
and access to what would otherwise be inaccessible, both for the analyst. So th- in a way, this is a this is a this essay does double work, right? Mm. Like first of it, its first thing is just for analysts, just pay attention to this. If there's a negative sign attached to it, don't take the an- an- analysis seriously. And then secondly, he's making a he wants to make a broader theoretical argument. But I think the just the basic everyday point that he starts with that this if I say that this his this is his favorite example that if I say this this dream had this person in the dream absolutely wasn't my mother then mm-hmm. Freud's like okay we know that it it was your mother and I think both of us think that's pretty great and maybe there's something a little problematic about that at the same time yeah, there's a there's a limit there that I think we're going to explore in the, this episode. Um, I think I would also add, Todd, uh, for for more because again, you're right. Th- this as this essay for being so short does the double duty of providing, uh, I think, g- genuinely uh, uh, revelatory um, cl- clinical advice and also yeah. this uh, psychopathology of everyday life, a kind of uh, meta. Uh, psychological commentary and, right. and and just like the the, the psyche of, of 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 everyday life. I, and what I want to add to this too is also um, I think just kidding is another kind of negation, Absolutely. right? Where like Absolutely. you know like like you you say something like you say like I, there was some somebody uh, one of one of my students shared with me this um, this 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 woman giving a toast at a wedding. And it, uh, the, the, I think the bride was white and the groom was black and it was, she just gave the, the, so the, the, the woman who was giving the toast, the white woman giving a consistent, just a bombing racist toast, but just kept, but kept saying, just kidding, just kidding. Right. Like for every, everything that she said and as though it was fine. And it was sort of like, it was so awkward and uncomfortable that like not only like like just like what I could see from the video, it's like I'm even like uncomfortable talking like remembering and talking about it. Right. But it just what it felt to me was that like everybody who is there who was offended uh, really just wanted to believe that she was kidding. So it's it's not just I would say it's not just for the the um, in a social sense or in an everyday for the sense. subject it's itself. Not, Right. It's for it's for others as well. Yeah. Like it's it's yeah. it's easier psychically for us to believe that that person was just kidding, or they're not trying to be an asshole, or they're not trying to to be to be a jerk, or they really didn't mean something. Like it, it's for the subject, and I think it's for the social as well. Which is I, I I would take as evidence for how dead on balls accurate to quote my cousin Vinny. Uh, this is about the psyche for, for Freud. Like, I think he is, ex- exa- he's exactly right about this because it's right. not just for the speaker. It's also for the listener in yeah. uh, as well. I think it's a great point. You know, I was just thinking that irony is functions like a negative sign as well, right? Like we can, mm-hmm. because if someone's being ironic, we're like, well, they don't really think that. So yes. they, when, even though they're saying it, right. And I was, th- so, um, I was tempted not to say this because I don't want people to send me condolences, but my mom just died oh, of yeah. COVID this week. And I, mm-hmm. I really, and my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law are anti-vaxxers, right? So mm-hmm. I, and my mom was vaccinated fully every booster and yet she died of it. And so I wanted to say to my mother-in-law and my spouse absolutely forbade this. I wanted to say, you know, the doctor told us she died in a week. The doctor told us 
she got three extra days of life because just because she was vaccinated. Now, doesn't that make you want to go out and get the vaccine? <laughs> I so <laughs> I so wanted to say that, but Hillary put an absolute fair bolt on that. So, uh, uh, yeah. but 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 like that would allow me. And I think it's interesting, right? Like it would allow me to get this dig into my mother-in-law. Yes. But I would be look look at all the kind of negation around it, right? Like I'd be mm-hmm. saying it. I clearly it's ironic, and I'm right. I'm using. The, my own mother's death as a negation to allow me yes. to say it right. Like she can't get offended because I'm saying right. it and I'm grieving, et cetera. So, so I think that there, I think your point is really good that there are a lot of things that like, I'm just, just kidding. Irony. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that stand in for that negative sign that allow us to say the thing that's, that is, is fair both for, for ourselves and for, and to, to the public, right? To the, to other, to others. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a, um, I mean, would you say this is a, an extension or, um, I, I don't know which, which word is the best one. It would be extension or, um, a, a intensification of what he writes in interpretation of dreams about, uh, condensation and displacement. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like, like negation is, is you, you might class it as this, like, as the like the the most common form of displacement, um, and or, or would you go so far? I'd really like that point. Would you really go? Mm-hmm. Would you go so far as this to say that negation actually has primacy relative to condensation and displacement? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, I, I I would do. That. I would say that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I would. Yeah, rever- it just because you're right. So what happened for me thinking that is because of the ideas get introduced chronologically. I right, they're first a, for sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. But but I do think you're right that negation is is primary, and you can see just very quickly displacement in like this is something Freud talks talks about in the dream work is that like you know you you come you come to uh, I, I I don't know that this is necessary. Oh, this is really funny. This would be an example of me. I've totally I've just I was about to say I don't know that I've ever had a dream like this. And you, what you should listeners think is like oh no, he totally has. Um, uh, where you go to a mall like you're 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 aware you're going to a mall but it's you you know after some uh dream work or or, or just or some work yourself you realize it's like it's your childhood home for for, for right. some reason but like right. there's something about the childhood home idea that is uh d- displaced into the mall because as i've settled uh i think i, I phrased it this way a long long time ago um that you and I like to, to, to phrase it this way that like for the dream, you got to think about like, it's a movie that plays in your head right? Uh, every night when you sleep in your bed and you're the only audience and they don't make any sense to you. And uh, so that's, that's this like the Genesis, the jumping off point for, for Freud, that, like, why don't they make sense to us? We're the only audience. And like the, it's either because there's not, so, you know, the two most immediate conclusions are, well, there's nothing here to be understood. That would be one. Right. Or the thing that's here to be understood is too tough, too, too traumatic, right? It's traumatic. Too traumatic, yeah. yeah. For 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 us to to see in this in a direct form, so we have to have this veiled form. And so then that's so I, I appreciate you saying this about negation being primary. So if that's the way that dreams work, um, that's also the way. Like again, you think about negation. That's also the way you know we talk to each other. You know, if we're going to say something, we're not sure how it's going to land, you know, or uh, or or we don't want someone to, to think something about 
us. So we so we put this we we find some way to negate it. Just kidding, right. or like with some <laughs> ironic distance, or or right, ironic distance, or or, or yeah. even what you just said. Like it could, it could be even with maybe this is wrong, but and then you say the thing, yes. right? Like yeah, I yeah, think yeah, there yeah. are all these different <laughs> locutions yeah. that we have mm-hmm. to to introduce this idea that's potentially traumatic and offensive, et cetera. Yes. Right? Like I think that yeah. there, I think there are a lot of different techniques that we use that all in a way come back to, to the primacy of negation. And I think that's what's mm-hmm. so great about this essay is that it really gets at the absolute primacy of negation as a, in, in the structure of the psyche. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and it's in the, so it's in, it's in the psyche and you can, this is one of the things you and I like, I think so much about psychoanalysis uh, and it's in, it's in the psyche. And one of the ways you can see it's in the psyche is you can observe it in the social and how, how dominant it is in right. common uh, parlance, because it, it's not just um, Joan Kopchak always like to say this, uh, that uh, it, psychoanalysis is not a private language. Um, and that you, and you can't think of the, you can't think of the psyche as a private language either because of this, a priori social that we're introduced to. And that, you know, introduces a, a difficulty, you know, your, your, which, which I, I would say not to, not to jump uh, completely to a lateral example, but I am going to do it because that's how negation works. Um, th- uh, this is the, like, this is the, the, the bread and butter of the, um, like the, the mo- modern fascistic conservative thing is that like, don't, don't you ever feel like you can't say what you want to say and, right. and aren't, don't people make you feel bad? Like, like be a conservative you could say whatever and you don't have to apologize or whatever. And it's like this, it's, it's like this getting, uh, there is like, there's some psychic benefit to politically getting rid of, uh, an, an, an impulse to negation that maybe someone would feel, uh, when they're talking to about certain issues at certain times and certain settings. So like that, there, there's some, uh, uh, appeal to that, that is monopolized by, uh, by the right, because, you know, you, to be someone who thinks in terms of, uh, of liberation, and, uh, you know, and, in and, and an emancipation, you have to think outside of yourself, like, right. And, 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 and think about other people and, and really put a, a suffering or, or just an experience that is not yours, uh, in front of yours. And that is I, I, psychically, that's, that's hard. I, I, it's not, the, it's not, it's not, or, or put it this way. It's not natural. It's not a natural inclination. And it's a lot, it's a lot easier to be like, no, you know what? It's these other people, they just can't take care of themselves and I should be able to do and say whatever I want. And that's, you know, that, and, 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 and that is this, like, I think this glue to the, to the uh, contemporary conservative thing. I mean, like you, maybe you want to tell me that that, that's, that's all, that that's always the thing that's been there. But, but I mean, I think that that's, like th- this, I think this essay, like if you extend this idea of, uh, yeah. of negation, like you really like play it out. Like that's like, you could see it's political relevance and, uh, vibrance as a, as a concept. Like if you, yeah. you, you, you no. play it out and you see that. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Yeah. You're absolutely, I think you're absolutely right about that. And I think it's interesting that the, there's a certain kind of appeal to lifting negation, right? Because mm. I think, I actually think this gets into, you know, why, where Freud goes beyond the, just this, the way in which the, he says, 
the stamp of neg- this is how he ends this part, this first part. He's like, the stamp of 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 negation is like is the, he calls it the hallmark of repression. Like, and then he, he uses this term, mm-hmm. a certificate of origin, like made in Germany. So, so for him, right, right, right. the negation is the absolute rep- I, uh, sig- signifier of repression and repressed material. And I think mm-hmm. there is a tendency to think, well, if we lift the repression then we're going to get access to this incredible satisfaction that the repressed idea embodies. And I, what, I think what's fascinating, and I think you're hitting on, I think you're right to say contemporary, right? Because mm-hmm. traditionally, the position of conservatism was, wait a minute, there's a real danger in lifting repression, right? Like mm-hmm. that, like Freud was opposed by conservatives who thought, right. wait a minute, this lunatic is going to lift... And, and, and in fact, in the, he's very good on this in the Clark lectures, I think, which were in 1908, 1909, he came to the U.S., 1909, I think. And uh, I think they're published as five lectures on psychoanalysis, something. I think that's mm-hmm. right. Uh, but he gave them at Clark University. And, and there he says this fascinating thing. He's like, look, all these people are saying to psychoanalysis, wait a minute, hold your horses. If these repressed ideas get released, then... The, we're going to get mass violence. We're going to have too many people having sex in the street. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be dogs and cats living together in harmony. You know, so <laughs> all of this, yeah. all of this stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so that that's the fear. But Freud says, you know what? That that is not a fear at all because the a, a, a impulse that is repressed is actually stronger when it's repressed than mm. when it's when the repression is lifted. So. His idea was, well, once you, and I think it's, this seems, I mean, I think to, to us today, it seems obviously true, right? Mm-hmm. That, that if I have a, let's say a sexual impulse that's repressed, I'm mm. feeling that much more than if I'm just whatever, gratifying it on a weekly, whatever kind of basis, right? Like, or mm-hmm. whatever the impulse, like violent, whatever. I think that the, mm-hmm. the, the more that it's repressed, the more that it leads itself to these wild outbursts. And I think that's, Mm. in a way, that's what Freud's trying to fight against. But it just struck me as today, I think you're right that conservatism is about lifting repression, Mm -hmm. whereas historically, I think it was about firming up repression, which is why, again, why psychoanalysis was seen as a dangerous leftist plot. That is a uh, that's really fascinating. I mean, is this not um, to use a, a, a Zizekian uh, favorite construction? Is this not a good example of your um, your take on uh, on on Trump being the super egoic president, not the the id, not the id president? president. Right, right. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. true. I think it's absolutely true. Right, like that, and and that that uh, what super ego promises. Is not. This is why I think it's. It has obviously has a relationship to law, but it's mm-hmm. it, it 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 it's not law because it promises. I mean, doesn't necessarily reward you with this all the time, but it does mm-hmm. promise you a relief from the restrictiveness of it. It, 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 prom- it promises you re- respite from repression. I think, like mm-hmm. that's what superego mm-hmm. promises. Like, yeah. you follow this injunction, you'll be able to. I mean, this is why Lacan says in Seminar 20, the only thing that commands you to enjoy is the superego, right? Like it's the, right. 
it's the thing that lifts uh, the the repression rather than enhancing it. I mean, maybe it ultimately enhances it in the guise of lifting it. I think that's mm-hmm. maybe what I would say. But yeah. nonetheless, at least in the that its guise is one of oh, you can, you don't, you know, you 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 don't want it, you don't want to follow these restrictions. You don't have to, right? Like that's the yeah, you know, like I mean, I think don't you think that the biggest I think it's true. This is true across in in um, right wing populist movements across the the globe. I think that but I'll just talk about Trump. Like, I think one of his biggest appeals was like, okay, there's the racism, obviously there's the anti-immigrant sentiment, obviously Mm -hmm. there's the sexism, obviously. (laughs) Yes. Interesting there. There's not the homo, not so much homophobia, right? Like Trump himself. Uh, but there was a there was I, I I like I hope people remember uh, or or again maybe they've repressed it like the before before the 2016 election there were people adamant that he would be uh, better for the uh, for the the gay community than than Hillary would have been like right? this, this I know, was a, that, I know, that was it that was a take and it's like know, it seems wild to imagine now but like that was a so anyway that's why that's why no you, I'm right so and right I right yeah. I think that I think and I think it's it's pretty clear that personally. Trump is not like of all. I mean, he's he's a terrible person, obviously. I mean, I don't, I don't think homophobia is one of his sins, right? Um, okay, the, not to say that he won't instrumentalize it to for yes, whatever. right? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But I think, don't you think that the thing that knotted all of his appeal together was precisely this anti PC, you can hey. say anything with yeah. me, uh, yeah. move that he made, and whereas Hillary was exactly the opposite, right? Like I think she yeah. was. She was, you know, I'm not going to really change your social, socioeconomic situation, but at least I'm going to stop certain things from being said. Right. And I think that that, which was a terrible, disastrous mm -hmm. campaign strategy. But I do think that I'm pretty convinced that that is the source of his appeal. Like the the thing that knots all of these other appeals together. Like you can, Mm -hmm. with me, you'll be able to say anything. We're not going to let these politically correct universities destroy our country. And I think, yeah, you know, DeSantis right. continuing this in Florida right now, you mm-hmm. know, attacking the university system in the name of uh, attacking political correctness. So I think that that's a, yeah. I think that that's a really big thing. And that's, again, part of this lifting of the repression rather than being part of the repression. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, and like the, um, I, I've said to you before, so I'm going to make uh, two points and then come back to the, this last thing that, the, that you said, cause it's a, it's a very good one. I, I've said to you, um, uh, before, and maybe even on the show, I can't remember, um, that we could every week we could, we could just do an episode if we wanted that was from the position of Freud's insight and wild psychoanalysis that knowledge does not cured the symptom like that we could just read the news yeah. and just be like okay this is here's an example a popular example this is a widely shared article where people think knowledge will cure the symptom and and um right now one one of them is like well there's terrible storms in texas and in the southwest um and, i mean and up here as well but it's different politically um and like, why, why do, uh, why, why did, why was governor Abbott reelected by Texas voters when look what he's doing to their everyday? Like, do they not just understand? It's like, again, it's not a deficit of knowledge. That is the problem. Like there, it, there is, there is this, what, what you, what you're saying is that on the, the cons- 
what you're saying that I'm saying, that we're saying, that what's on the conservative side in politics right now is this idea that somehow they're lifting some liberal repression, and that is a better material reward than any material reward. Right. That, right. You, you know, like, like that. And like in DeSantis, I mean, it's the same thing. Like he's, you know, and I think instrumentalizing is, is, is really, really great because like the, the, it's the same thing with like the um, the anti-trans thing that DeSantis and, and Trump also doubled down with this this week. It's the exact same thing. They're instrumentalizing this uh, this idea in in like that, like that trans people are repressing the right. uh the, the u.s not that like the other way around and and but that's what that's what people are that's what the the conservative thing is into that like is is this this that that we're lifting this kind of liberal repression and what i what i want to say is that what, what they've done and, and, and i think what the left doesn't do or does do uh in the wrong way is that the left has to be on the side of the unconscious in this because what the right is on the side of is that there is no unconscious. That's what the, it, and, and, and that's where it matches up with the uh, conservatism of Freud's day. I would argue yeah. is that like yeah. it, it, that like there, the conservative appeal is there is no, there is no unconscious. You know, it used to be two, three years ago. Um, progressives would say unconscious bias. And now they don't say that anymore. They say implicit bias. Implicit. Yeah, um, and because I think of a, a not wide enough understanding of negation being active might be the thing. Like it's like like if it's unconscious, it can't be your fault or something. Right. I don't know if that right. was if that was the idea, but but um, but so the the left needs to be on on the side of the of the unconscious, and because the right is clearly like it doesn't exist. There's just, like there are people saying that you mean things when you say certain things, but you really don't, you're just a good person. You're just trying to say what you want. There is no, there is no, uh, uh, I mean, no one would say this on the right, but there's no hermeneutics of suspicion. This is the, that's the right wing (laughs) position. And, 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 you know, and it's kind of funny to me, this is just a total side comment, but nobody who's on the side of nobody who's on the side of like surface reading, like no, no, like Rita Felsky would never in, for example, who's written a book, uh, a couple books about like, uh, against critique and against the hermeneutics of suspicion. Um, and our friend, uh, Anna Cornblue has a great response to this. Um, I forget where it's, where it's published. Uh, exactly. she does. Yeah. Um, but Rita Felsky would never in the face of alt-right, uh, crime statistics, look at them and say, Oh yes, this is correct. And black men are inherently more dangerous than other people. Right. She right. would never do that because right. she would know that there's something underneath that. There's, there is a, a, another motivation and no, no one would ever do that. But, but then we get into conversations like this. She's part of the, like the liberal establishment. So suddenly it's like, like the unconscious is, or the idea of a, of a, of a hermeneutics of suspicion is part of this like repression in, I don't know, literature classes or culture generally. Um, and, I'm sorry. That's a right wing. That is a perfectly right wing position. Right. No, absolutely for the, right. For the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely right. I, I think that, you know, uh, yeah, I just think that's absolutely right. And I think that, that the, to take, you know, to take the, to, to take the side, for one thing, the unconscious, and I think this is a point Freud makes again and again and again and again, isn't buried deep within, right? It's on, mm-hmm. 
like if you really do a surface reading, you have to read for the unconscious. Like yes, that would be, nice I think that's Freud's yeah. rebuttal of that. But I also, I mean, I like, again, I, I really like this, what he says about the negative sign here. And, but I think the implications for psychoanalytic practice are a little dicey, right? Like I think mm. before we go on to the second part of the essay, I think that mm-hmm. it's worth talking about because so famously Karl Popper, who wrote a terrible book called The Open Society and Its Enemies, but that book doesn't talk about Freud, but he also wrote <laughs> an essay attacking Freud. And he claimed that psychoanalysis, the problem with is, is that it's irrefutable. And his notion of what constitutes a legitimate science is that it's, it allows for its own possible refutation. Now, I think there's a lot of problems with that definition because I'm not sure if anything can really allow, for, if any system can really allow for its own refutations. That's a whole other issue. But I do think that that is a specific problem with this essay, right? And you you said to me earlier a really nice, privately, a really nice example of, of the way that this might work as a problem mm. that Freud himself doesn't account for doing this way, taking this way of reading negation into the, the patient do you want me to do analyst it? relationship. Yeah, go ahead and give that example. Just- yeah. So, um, okay. So I think we've done this for a half hour. Um, you all should be convinced. I'm convinced of like, yes, negation. This makes perfect sense. When someone says, uh, not to be an asshole or like, I'm not to be like what, you know, whatever, like, yes, they're, they are through the negation. They are, they are avowing, uh, what they, what they really mean or, 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 or what, or what's really there. Um, and, or as Freud puts it very nicely in the essay, this is something which I should prefer to repress. So right, don't right. pay attention to the to the repressed content over there. Uh, pay attention to this other thing over here. Okay. So and and he gives the example like if uh, the, the 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 patient says something like, um, "You're gonna think in in this dream that this person is my you know is my mother is is, is my sister who I've been talking about before, but it's not. It's so whatever. Then you know, and his advice is like." then we've hit on the crux of it. And, you know, you go, you go from there because the negation told tells you what's really there. So, okay. How about the opposite? If some, if a patient comes in and they say, I had this dream and there was uh, a, a monster in the house, in my, uh, in this apartment that uh, my family lived in when I was uh, 10 years old. And I, and I'm telling you right now, that monster was my mother. If someone came in <laughs> to say that, I, I think Freud's point, and I think, you know, not to speak for analysts because you and I are not, but the <laughs> negation, right? No, but right. but like the the point, I mean, this is just, he, he says this elsewhere, like, and, and I mean, it's consistent with his idea. If someone comes in in utter affirmation, this thing I had that the, in, in my dream, it's absolutely this, you just shouldn't believe them. Right. Because the idea because the idea of of negation is that why do we negate? We negate. I mean, as we've been saying, we negate to say something that is more psychically palatable. So if someone comes in and they say something that for another person might be uh, psychically unpalatable, you have to you have to, you're obliged to, to observe that thing is, is the more palatable thing, therefore not trustworthy. And it has to be something else, right? Like, isn't that? Yeah, I think that's right. So, so what you're basically saying, I think is that you almost can't avoid negation, right? Like, like let's take the example of the obsessional who says, 
I had this dream and I, you know, it was, I was dreaming about this, this, uh, woman I like, but I know it really was my mother and behind, right? Mm -hmm. Like the classic Mm -hmm. thing, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you have to say that the obsessional is hiding from Mm -hmm. the repressed wish. And I think what it suggests is maybe the repressed wish isn't the incestuous one, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. that that's a, I think, don't you think that the, where Freud gets into the problem here, and this, will, this I think, will extend into what we're going to talk about the later part of the, the essay, is that he thinks that the most traumatic thing is precisely the thing that's the, the incestuous relation. And I think that mm. he's... I think that one of the th- things I think is great about this essay is that it's an essay about form and not about mm, content yes. because it's about the way yes. the form of the negation functions regardless of the content, right? That's right. what he's saying. Yes, yes. But I think that he still hung up. His examples betray an investment mm-hmm. in the content because his own example is his first example. You ask who this person in the dream can be, uh, it's not my mother. So it's the first mm-hmm. thing uh, or you, you you think I mean something insulting, I really have no such intention. So this, mm. I think those think like it's again coming back to this Oedipus complex discussion that we've had <laughs> several times, but I think it, mm. it, it, it like the Oedipus complex is a focuses on content. Mm-hmm. But I think Ford's yes. Freud's on to here Ford. Is it John Ford, Ford or is it Henry Ford? Ford? I don't know who who, who that I, slip referred to. Uh, that's funny. Let's just say it's John Ford. Um, I'm thinking you're referring to an F-150. So okay, there we go. There we go. Uh, so Henry. Uh, so I think no, 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 Todd, you're talking about a truck. Oh, the truck. Uh, so then it's, it's the father it's the, and then, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, the truck is talking. It continues. Yes. All right, all right. Good. So I think that the, I think that the, the, the way that the, um, negation works is just it has there's no i think what the what negation shows i think here's what i want to say i think it's wider in its Mm. reach than freud wants to give it credit for and i think it's operative even when someone is affirming right like like even when i come into the analyst and i go ha i just had a dream about having sex with my mother ha i i i I, I don't even need to analyze it like okay (laughs) right I think you're still negating. And I think that's, I think Freud kind of doesn't go far enough in this essay. And I think Mm -hmm. the reason is he gets a little hung up on the content and and we'll talk about it at the, toward the end of the essay where this is true, I think. And I I, I think he says one thing that's really great. And then I think he kind of misses the boat a little bit. I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think, well, we, I think we could, we could maybe go there. Uh, go there now there's there's an interesting so one of the things this is a 1925 essay now if you've yes. been following along uh or 23 catching I think. 23 up, 23 sorry yeah yes. yeah um 25 and in in, in american yeah. uh in english uh is um that there's a break in 1920 and the break in 1920 is beyond the pleasure principle and the idea of drive and as happens it, it's not as though um, Freud discovers the death drive and then he's uh, like he's forever changed and everything moves in the trajectory smoothly from this new proposition. He fights it repeatedly. One of the places we've talked about this where he fights it is uh, he fights his own um, his summary in uh, in 
Mystic Writing Pad, another short essay that we've uh, talked about uh, previously, he summarizes um, Mystic Writing Pad, at, or uh, in, in Mystic Writing Pad, he summarizes Beyond the Pleasure Principle and what was at stake in it, and it's it completely omits the drive. It's and wrong. and yes, it, yeah. it, and it's yeah. wrong. It's 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 what he says is important about it. Maybe it was important to him when he was writing that. I don't want to take that away from him. But it's not what's important, like structurally right. or or, right. or or how it touches any of his other ideas. Um, and as and it is fascinating that the same thing happens in this essay, and it references Mystic Writing Pad. And there's a great note on it um, in the in the standard edition. So he has this line on two thirty eight. He says, um, "The uh, the ego." periodically sends out small amounts of cathexis into the perceptual system by means of which it samples the external stimuli, and then after every such tentative advance, it draws back again. Now, if you are very familiar with Freud, you will have heard the resonance with what he says in Mystic Writing Pad in that text, that what happens is that there, there are these feelers that are sent out, and, and he relates that to the way the Mystic Writing Pad as a device works. If you don't have... If you've not listened to that episode or you don't have a grasp on what the mystic writing pad is, think about um, think about your fingerprints on your iPad screen uh, where you have no idea what any one of those fingerprints did after it, the screen goes black. But there's still an impression that you did something. There's still right. some trace um, and there's still this you know, this extension, he, he uses this object to, uh, as a, as a way of how the, um, how he thinks the, the mind works. But what's really crucial is in mystic writing pad, he says the unconscious does this and in negation, sends out feelers the, that is sends out fe- feelers. Yeah. I mean, this is the line. Um, uh, Oh, I gotta bring this closer so I don't get uh, too far away from the mic. He says, uh, so this is just, this is just the note. Um, Uh, it may be remarked that in this last passage, Freud suggests not that the ego, but that the unconscious, this is in Mystic Writing Pad, stretches out feelers through the medium of the system, uh, uh, PCPT. Perception consciousness. Yeah. Perception consciousness toward the external world. So just to sort of clean that up a little bit, what's happened is in Mystic Writing Pad, he says the, the unconscious sends out feelers into the world and then withdraws, which that is a, I think that's a comfortable idea with the drive. And, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and, and then in this one, the phenomenon is, is conscious. It's the ego periodically sends out small amounts of cathexis into the perceptual system. And so in mystic writing pad, he, oh, it's just really funny. He omits or, or underplays or dampens, the invention and uh, and clarity that is in beyond the pleasure principle. And then in this essay, he omits dampens or obscures um, the clarity about the unconscious that he displayed in mystic writing pad. Right. So it's really striking. Just a strange. Yeah. Just this like thread that, you know, that you can like these breadcrumbs that you can, you can, you can find. It's very confused. Right. So he goes into what, so the, basically the begin, the first half of the essay is about, Psycho and like practice, and this what we all what we've been talking about for the first part of the episode about how you put this negative sign, disregard that in front of every judgment. But then the second part of the essay talks about judging as an intellectual activity and mm-hmm. how we make judgments. And and I think he's on the verge of coming up with a really amazing point. So he he says, and this is 
you know, what he says, it's very, it's important. And he's also citing himself in a certain way. He says the first and immediate mm-hmm. aim of reality testing, so that's judging the reality of an object, yes or no, is it there or is it not there, is not to find an object in real perception which corresponds to the one presented, but to refine such an object and to convince one that it's still there. So that, and that's a, I think that's a reference back to three essays on the theory of uh, sexuality. So Yes, yes it is. So which that, there's no note for that, which I, is interesting. I, I don't know why there there's no note there for that one. It should be there should be one. Any interesting, yeah. Anyway, but I yeah. think it's I think it's um, it's telling that, I and I think that's right that there's a this refinding process. So mm. first the object. So what's his, so I think the hint what he's hinting at here, and this is why I think this nicely corresponds with the idea of death drive. That first the object is absent. And then any time we're trying to find an object, we're actually trying to refine something that's been originally lost, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's it's structurally lost to us. And so every mm. testing of reality is to try to find something that's been originally lost. And so then couldn't you say, I think he doesn't say this, obviously, but I think you could say that things seem real to us insofar as they correspond to what we feel like we are structurally originally lacking, mm. right? Like, like if there's not, if an object doesn't have some correspondence to this, our original sense of what we are lacking, then we're just going to, it's going to be nothing to us. We're going to mm. say, well, that's just part of the environment. It's not even, and I think you could, this happens all the time. We, I think we would even say it's not even a distinct object. Right, like think about yeah. when you go yeah. to the store and you look around and you're 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 like in search of a certain thing, right? Like a, you're, and all the rest of the stuff. There's all this other stuff you could buy, right? But it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't even seem like they're distinct objects to you. Like say, let's say you want a cookie at the grocery, right? Like mm-hmm. you want or you want Oreos, and that's all that you. Can. And so you see like Doritos and you see milk and you see cheese and you see whatever lettuce, mm-hmm. broccoli. It's all just seems like just the background. Yeah. It's just one, and then the Oreo is the thing that you, you, you take, and and you you that that stands out to you because it precisely in some way corresponds to this missing object for this lost object for you. So I think, I Todd, guess I think th- it's, yeah, go ahead. it's it's Pierre at the cafe. It's Pierre at the cafe, exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah, yeah. right. There's a so what it suggests is there's a really sophisticated uh, uh, understanding of desire and epistemology. Mm-hmm. That Freud's on the verge of discovering here, but he doesn't fully discover, right? Like he doesn't yeah. make the next step because he has this incredible. You're right, Pierre. From being a nothingness, it's exactly that, right? Like Pierre is you. You notice Pierre missing because Pierre's the one you're looking for, and everything else at the cafe is just the cafe. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I, I don't know. I think that that's. I think we should. I think Freud gets. A, deserves a lot of credit for this little piece there that's really great in this essay. And then I think there's a there's a, a terrible move just subsequent that that then kind of ruins it all. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> what do you think about the yeah, no no no, I think that's right. I I I I think that's right. I think it's um it's it's interesting. It's it's like suddenly the problem that he's uh trying to solve, you know, we come back to this like what problem is 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 being right. solved or right. attempted to, you know, like I think it's, it's important to 
to, to, to think about um, any philosophical work, because if you don't have a good sense of that, it's, it's really hard for the work itself to make sense. To it's you. badly written and, probably, right? Y- yeah. If you don't, yeah. if you don't know. And, and I think, I think it's really clear in the beginning, the problem that's being solved is, is this, um, this thing that seems like a, well, a resistance to treatment and of, or, and an everyday resistance to, right. to, to the sense. unconscious, like, to the unconscious. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like that makes perfect sense. And then I think almost imperceptibly the the problem shifts. Shifts. Yeah. And and then we get these things at the end of the essay like in the last paragraph, uh no, no, second to last paragraph in 239, um affirmation as a substitute for uniting belongs to eros. Negation, the successor to expulsion, belongs to the instinct of destruction. And it's really interesting that this is in so like so he has brought in death drive, but only insofar as judgment. It's interesting because it's it's almost like um, we've kind of gone back to uh, like the uncanny is one of these essays that is that 1919. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, just before death drive. Yeah, just before. So it's almost like we've gone back to that because he's talking about judgment and negation and what he does. I mean, he said he announces this as opposed to this essay, which announced announces its applicability to the clinical practice. The beginning of the uncanny is all about like, he, he tells you he's writing a, a, a negative aesthetics, that this is a, this is a negative aesthetic investigation. It's like the, in the right. second or third sentence. And, um, and what he's, the problem he's trying to solve is like, why, 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 uh, why are philosophical investigations of aesthetics tied up with beauty almost exclusively when uh, negative aesthetic uh, judgment or reaction is far more common? That's, that's basically, that's the genesis of, yep. of that idea. And it's almost like we've gone back to that. And it's like, this is a way that he can smuggle in death drive because it's easier if it's part of judgment than as part of something primary. Like he's really, really close. Like what we said earlier as negation being this primary force, I mean, like what we're sort of hinting at is where we're going to come to here, which is the, uh, like as Freud writes in the, um, in beyond the pleasure principle that he hadn't yet considered, he even phrases this in, in negation. He doesn't uh, put this in the positive that what he hadn't considered in the past was the, the possibility of a primary masochism. He just phrases right. it that way. Like that he he didn't think that before. Not that right. he's convinced of it now. You know, it's a very slight difference. Like he is offering it. That's what he's that's what he's exploring, but right. he's not like planting his flag on it. And he's kind of doing the same thing here. He's he's as we, you know, sometimes uh, accuse him of with evidence that the where Freud errs is usually where he imagines himself as a dualist and right. not as someone who's pursuing a a dialectics of the unconscious or, or of the psyche or of right, right. everyday yeah. life. Like I, I think, which is, I think that's how you and I read him and how yeah. we approach yeah. the psychoanalysis. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's really interesting. Cause like, it, like you, it's not a, it's not a, as you would say, a, a psychoanalysis It's not a foreclosure of these ideas. Cause if it was, they wouldn't appear at all. But like, you can, you can just tell this is again, to go back to the Rita Felsky thing, the surface reading, the like the depth is on the surface here. It's not under, not underlying this essay right he's he's referencing himself at numerous times um but he's changing the reference just slightly it's the ego that extends 
stimuli. It's not the unconscious. So now he's, okay, we're talking in the realm of, of consciousness. He will talk about death drive. He won't say death drive. He'll say instinct of destruction, but he'll put it as a duality, like, a, like almost a, a, this, like this, like an ancient duality, uh, you know, of, of, of competing impulses. And, and, and that's, you know, that's where negation is. He, he won't put it in uh, the primary way. He'll be like, you know, like I was in the beginning, like because he thought of uh, uh, displacement and condensation earlier in his career, this must be an intensification of one of those ideas, not a primary one that is where those um, phenomena uh, occur psychically most often to us. Like it, it's it's just, it's, it's, it's not, it's again, like this is an essay about, form and not content and i think my my final line on this before i get your response is that like the the most teasing aspects of it are in the form itself of like how he's edging toward his most radical insights but he's still not there yeah i totally agree really interesting yeah yeah i I agree i mean i think that the 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 terrible sentence is (laughs) <laughs> affirmation as a substitute for uniting belongs to Eros. Negation, the successor to expulsion, belongs to the instinct for destruction. It's interesting. So the that sounds worse in English than it is in in German. It's it's uh it's destructionstrieb, right? So mm. it's it, so it does we, sound get trieb. yeah. So it's so it's it's better, but it's still he doesn't see the. It's still it's still as you said. I think rightly. It's still. Uh, it's binary, it's dualistic, rather mm. than seeing how the one dialectically relates to the other. And it also doesn't see, and this is, I think, the greatest sin, it doesn't see the primacy of the destructions tree, right? Like, it doesn't see yeah. this, the primacy yeah. of the destructive drive as what creates the possibility for judgment, right? Like, that's yeah. the, mm-hmm. like, I, I think he's on to that, but then he never gets to that, and I think that that's a real... That's that that seems to me one of those really bad missed opportunities. But then I think the the to me the real low point of the essay, this is just after he says the thing about finding an object is always refinding it. He says mm-hmm. it's evident that a precondition for the setting up of reality testing is objects shall have been lost which once brought real satisfaction. And yes. I think to me that's really a uh uh to me, that's a real dividing line on a certain kind of psychoanalytic thinking, like a certain mm. certain lines of object relations thinking. Well, we want to mm-hmm. say, yeah, there's like this real satisfaction of the good breast, right? Like I think mm-hmm. that that, mm-hmm. and that's, it seems like Freud usually avoids that. And I think here he succumbs to it. And I think that, I think that the, the point of psychoanalysis has to be there are no objects that once provided real satisfaction, right? Like the object yeah. is originally missing. And I think that's why finding an object is always refinding an object. So it's like this, mm-hmm. that sentence, it, it's, it represents this turn in the essay, which then culminates in this dualism of the ending point. And I think he misses the way he could get to, I think, the idea that negation is primary in the psyche. And I think... Yes. You, you know, don't you think that there's a lot of ways in which Freud has one up on Hegel? Like, I think Hegel doesn't quite have the Freudian unconscious. He doesn't quite no. have the notion of death drive. But 
Okay, I think this is one area where Hegel is has one way up on Freud, right? That the, the notion, just to, the line from the preface of phenomenology of life of the spirit depends upon its tarrying with the negative, right? Like that mm-hmm. negation is somehow primary for the psyche and comes before any kind of affirm, affirmation or affirmative judgment. And I think that's, I think this essay is on the verge of saying that, but I don't think it gets to that. To well, that it's, point. isn't it, it's funny because, well, it doesn't say it because of the things we just laid out, but then also in the final paragraph, uh, he says, we never discover a no in the unconscious, which is a, a, another, I wish I had kind of said this earlier. Like this is part of why this is part of what sustains and, and supports his thesis on negation is that like negation is only a conscious thing. We can only consciously for him. him. Yeah. Yeah. For him. Yeah. 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 For him. We can only, we can only consciously negate that. Like that the, the unconscious doesn't, doesn't do this, this kind of negation that, uh, that we do when we, when we speak to others or when we think, uh, to ourselves. So it's, I, I think he's like, He's just very, he's just very close to it. But he, but I do, I do, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm on your, uh, I'm on your side of the street. I don't know that I, that I, uh, because, so Joan reads, uh, of uh, Freud as a, uh, inheritor of Kant. And obviously Joan is just so influential to me that I don't, I didn't know that for, I think for, for a long time, I'm, I, I just did not, I didn't think that there was a lot that Freud would have missed if it had been, Hegel just because of how just because of what he ended up doing and discovering I I I think I was of the of the uh persuasion that he did a lot of accidental Hegelianism in a way that's not dissimilar from what Lacan would do but of course Lacan was familiar with Hegel through Kozhev um but on this on this I think if he had Hegel I think it would be different yeah I I agree and it just have to be it have to be and it's it's a very Kantian moment, right? Like it's not an, mm-hmm. un, it's not a, it's, it's a real like dividing line between Kant and Hegel in the sense that for Kant, the judgment of existence is not, there's not a, pri- this is the best way to put it, I think. There's not mm-hmm. a primacy of negativity in Kant in the same way that there is for Hegel. That Hegel yeah. thinks that subjectivity is its I mean, this we just talked about Sartre and the primacy of negation yeah. for two weeks, but this, I think this is a way that th- this is a this is an idea that goes back to Hegel and that subjectivity is its negating power, and that I, you know it's interesting this line that you read because it, it's it's better in English, right? Like there's a pun in English that that doesn't work in German that the unconscious knows no no, right? Like yeah, it yeah, does, yeah, yeah. it works nicely yeah. in English. Yeah, uh, but I I think that. Wouldn't, shouldn't, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that line is very, like Lacan even, I think, doesn't want to reject that line out of hand. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a, I think that line has been very influential on a lot of people. But mm-hmm. yes. if if the unconscious is more or less, not always, but more or less aligned with totistry, with death drive, and, mm-hmm. and this self-destructiveness, yes, then yes. doesn't it have to be? Doesn't know, in fact, have to be the primary mode of the that's unconscious? Great. Not yeah, not that it's not there at all, but no, actually, no is the primary thing of the unconscious, right? Like yeah. so, so that 
when you when when my parents came in to take me to church when I was a little boy and I said no, I wasn't mm. like it was that that was like my my conscious self wanted to obey, but that mm. no p- cropped up from my unconscious and and just rejected it, right? Like I, even though I know it was going to be self-destructive and they were going to be upset with me and take away my treats or my video, (laughs) I didn't have any video games, but you know, like what everything that they could do. So I think that that's, to me, I I almost intended to reverse it, right? And to say, yes, there's no yes in the unconscious, but I don't know. I mean, that's maybe too wild, but. That's really interesting. Well, no, because what you're saying, uh, or uh, this is how I'm hearing what you're saying, uh, is that the, the like Freud misses a, a trick because what he can say is like because what he what he says is that like there isn't any content that the unconscious finds objectionable. That's what he's saying. Like right. all the right. all the things that all the things that are social mores that that are objectionable incest, right? Like the, the, right. the unconscious doesn't have that. That's what he's that's what he's saying. So right. what you're saying though is that formally all it does is no. Correct. It is, Correct. Is, so, and I, I think that's, uh, I think that's really interesting. Like, yeah. So in a way, yeah, yeah. In a way, you're right. What you're saying is, we, we don't agree, but he's talking on the level of the content, and I'm yeah. saying the fundamental form of the unconscious is a no. Okay, mm. it accepts all different kinds of content. I don't care about that. But yes. it's yeah. like the fundamental form is a no. It's interesting. So I think Freud is a little. So I, 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 I remember having a conversation with Robin Warhol, who's a really good feminist and a sort of fellow traveler of Freud. Uh, she wishes she weren't, but she kind of is. And, uh, <laughs> and, and she, I said to her this thing, I said, no one, and I'm not sure if I even agree with this now, but I, I'm, you know, I'm just given to saying things that I are provocative <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> precisely for what we've been talking about. I said to her, I'm like, no one has ever been offended by a film they've watched alone. You know, like mm. they're always offended for, yeah. I said, okay, the big other can be there in their own psyche and then they're offended, but, but it's always for the other that they're watching the film with, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she just said, that, that's absurd, completely wrong. And I think in a way that's consonant with what Freud says here about the no and the unconscious, right? Like without the other there to rein the unconscious in, there's no no. But I, I guess mm-hmm. what I want to say is, okay, on the level of content, yes, but what I missed when I was talking to her, and I think what Freud misses is precisely, I think you're right to get this form-content distinction, that the fundamental formal gesture of the unconscious is no, right? And I think mm-hmm. that's where Hegel is such a great figure, yeah. right? It's it's no, it's it's negativity, it's right. ne- it's it's negation. It's the, it's the uh, I mean, because how would you, how would we put this in, um, the 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 formula of the drive. Like, well, I mean, this is how, how you do it in, in the formula of the drive. Can the drive be satisfied, Todd? What is the answer? Well, the drive is always satisfied, right? The drive is always satisfied. Always but like satisfied. the kind of set, but the kind of set. I keep hitting this table. I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, no, that's okay. The like, can the it's it, that's the thing though that he has to lose, right? Like, like from, that's why I use that word is that like, but it is evident that a precondition for the setting up of reality testing is that objects shall have been lost, which once brought in real satisfaction. Right. So well, I this. think the real is the key term, right? Like, I think, yeah, the drive is always satisfied, but it's never satisfied by an object, 
Isn't that right? Like right. it's satisfied yeah. by the way that it misses the object. And I think what Freud is onto in that sentence is a satisfaction that that he's he's onto the idea of a, a really satisfying object that he thinks yes. the first objects were objects that were really satisfying to us and we had to give them up because of repression and 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 so all reality testing is tests all subsequent objects relative to those real first objects that provided what he says real satisfaction right and i just think that 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 in in that sense you're absolutely right that there is no satisfaction of the drive through the object it's only right. through the way that it misses the object through its failure yes. relative to the object that's why the drive as freud says is and i think he's right about this is radically indifferent to its object it doesn't object doesn't yeah. matter right and i think mm-hmm. that's a key key thing i just yeah it's Go ahead. Yeah. It's no, no, no. It's just like it's, it's, I think it's on this, it's on this thing. Like, like it's on, it's on this, it's on this axis that like he, he wants to, I mean, this is why, why I put the question this way is that like he, he wants and, and is inclined to the, the dualist solution. But it's like you have to see, I, I like you have to see that like is the, like the drive is never satisfied in the sense that it never stops, but it is always, there's always something satisfying to right. it, right. like it, which is why it continues. So it's on this like it's it's so it's on that. I, I would more of a dialectical relation than on the on the dualist one. Like I think that I think he wants to, I think he wants to have the like. It's it's almost like I bet if at the end if at the if you could ask him at the end of ha- having written this essay would he have said you can satisfy the instinct of destruction he what do you yeah. think he would have said i, I think, think he, he would have said god what don't, don't, don't i think i think he would have said yes and i think that would have like like through destruction but that doesn't understand the idea that's what i think right. I, that's right where, no where i agree i agree i yeah. think that yeah i mean it's just it's just so strange because isn't <laughs> No, this is way saying it too much. I think overstating it, but I'm tempted mm-hmm. to say the original sin is precisely the edible complex and the notion that we have these fully satisfying objects that are ver- that are proximate to us, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than what we're satisfied with through is the precisely, and it's a partial satisfaction through mm-hmm. the absence of the object, and that's mm-hmm. what. That's why negation is so primary for the psyche, right? right? Because it has to, it has to negate the, every object that it comes into contact with, right? Because it's the, 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 that's the only way that it can be desirable, insofar as it's in some way out of reach for it, not insofar as it's in some way accessible. And I think that that I think you know what's interesting is the first part of the essay seems simplistic and like mm. he, it's the second part is complex, but I think the first part is right. And it's getting mm. at this idea. And then the complex part, I think he kind of gets lost. I think he gets mm. lost in this, in a, in a, in a attempt at a certain philosophical theorizing that he just, I, I don't think he, he, he doesn't understand the full implications. And I think he's so tied to this idea. That's what, what is repressed is what is, uh, uh, socially uh, inex- unacceptable, right? Yeah. What, what were you going to say? I said repugnant. 
Yeah, repugnant, right? Right, like the, yeah. the, the like incest, right? Like I think that yeah. his he can't get beyond the notion that that's what's repressed, and then that's why he thinks that's why he has this unconscious doesn't discover has no no because he doesn't mm-hmm. see the way in which a certain negative relation is necessary to even be desiring in the first place. Sartre does. I mean, yeah. You know, it's tempting to say, like, why does Sartre reject? Well, he saw this that Freud, I mean, of course, there's all kinds of problems in Sartre's understanding of how the psyche functions and his disbelief mm-hmm. in the unconscious. But I think he does at least get this fundamental negativity that's at the heart of the subject in a way that Freud, at least in this essay, doesn't get. He gets it in Beyond the Pleasure Principle, which makes this so hard to figure, right? Like, I think you were really great on this when you were like, look, you expect a certain, someone crosses a certain barrier and then they don't go back and back (laughs) across the river and say, oh, I'm going to go back on the other side where things were terrible and just uh, (laughs) mill around there a little bit. Like, but that's kind of what Freud does. Yeah. I'm going to disagree. I I mean, I think the, the, I think the problem is that he, he, he starts with I think he starts with this great insight to the unconscious and then he ends w- with a complexity that makes the phenomenon too conscious. That's what oh, I, yeah. I think I would say. And it's I even see. in the, it's even in that sentence. Like I'm, I'm going to read the whole sentence. Yeah. Read the, the, whole. Uh, yeah. the view of negation. No, sorry. This view of negation fills in. Oh my God. The, I, the, the type is too small away, but I don't want to be, I, if I get closer to, <laughs> all right, I got to just zoom in. Because I get farther away from the microphone if I do Oh, my God. Now the PDF has moved. Okay, here we go. That's like a band tuning on stage. You never want to see right, Here that. we go. All right. It's all, all instruments view- are ready to go. Okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> this view of negation fits in very well with the fact that in analysis, we never discover a no in the unconscious, and that recognition of the unconscious on the part of the ego is expressed in a negative formula. So, again, like... We, we began, as I said, we began with this insight into the unconscious, and then it ends with this, he's tried to make it too much of an insight into conscious experience. Right, I, I think right. I would, I no, would that, you're right, exactly. That sentence gives it all away, right? Like, the recognition of the unconscious on the part of the ego is yeah. expressed in a yeah. negative formula. So the negation comes solely for Freud from the ego. And I think that's yeah. a... I think that's, it's interesting that Lacan criticizes Freud's take on anxiety. Like Freud thinks anxiety come, is a signal from the ego. And in right. Lacan's anxiety seminar, that's one of his critiques. He doesn't make that many. That's one of his critiques of Freud. And I think here we could, we could make a similar critique, right? Like he, he's mm. too much, he's moved through the course of the essay from analyzing how the unconscious manifests itself to, to reducing negation to this manifestation of the ego in relation to the unconscious. Mm. You know what links, and I think what links what we're saying to what Lacan says in seminar 10 is that like, cause Lacan, uh, Freud says that anxiety has no object, which I think is what is uh doxa. Now doxa for, for sure. The, yeah. For, yeah. for the, D, for the DSM for, for like that there it's just, yeah. it's sourceless. Like, and, yeah. I mean, this is how, what he, what he gets like you, you, you're afraid you have fear of some tangible of th- of things, right? Thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But anxiety has no object, which is why like uh, a general anxiety disorder, right. Is like this, right. like the, it's a, it's a sourceless thing. And what Lacan kind of twists that to, to say is that like, it does have an object and it's the object. 
what he doesn't fully like that's where he begins the the, the trajectory of developing that idea is right. that like it, that it, there is an object but it's the it's the object and it's not a which is not a tangible object but it is a, is a way of thinking a relation to an idea of an object I, I, which might be a, an initial way like to, like a step stool way to begin to get into to object or, or or at least where Lacan is at at, at the time of that seminar yeah and it's yeah. sort of and sort of our art take here has been like like freud is too into the idea of an originally satisfying object when he already like it, it's kind of like he it's kind of like he, he thought to himself when i wrote um that there's a drive in organic life to return to an original state of loss he meant a literal loss of an object right it's like he it's like he literalized that insight and that's what is like kind of undergirding some of the moves here. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that that's the real, I mean, I guess I would say you divide, you can do like you, one of your dividing points is, are you a dialectician or are you a dualist? Right. Yeah. yeah. I kind of, I totally, obviously I totally support that. But I also think another di- real dividing line is, do you think there is an originarily satisfying mm. object or do you not? Right. And Freud, yeah. what's fascinating yeah. is Freud, doesn't think there is one in Beyond the Pleasure Principle. And then all of a sudden, three years later, he starts to think there is one even after yeah. he's he should have given it up. So it's just, I think this is another symptomatic piece of how difficult it is to integrate the ideas of Beyond the Pleasure Principle and specifically the idea of the death drive into one's thinking, even the person who discovers it, right? Like even the person right. who discovers it can't just smoothly integrate it in. Instead, it causes them problems. I mean, the other thing it, it does is it gets translated into dis, 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 destruction of the other aggressiveness, right? Like that's, yeah. I think that that's Melanie Klein's entire psychoanalytic, one of her things that she absolutely does is, is, is death drive gets translated into a destructive drive and a, or aggressive drive. And so that's the, that it seems to me like all, there's all these ways of refusing the, the insight of that. And this essay, I think it's sad because I think it's on the verge of being a really incredible breakthrough uh, mm. essay, you know, but it just doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, it comes up short because of this refusal to integrate the insights of his own prior work. And that is the, that's the big word is that with, with Hegel, he thinks negation has absolute it's a right. priority in the psyche for as much as he, I mean, he, as much as he would understand that word at the time that he was writing and Freud wants to, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to move it there. It's right. like, it's like, it's like he, he just, it's like he accumulates. It's really, it's, it's really funny. Like, like, I, like I don't like, uh, like, I, I think it's, it's, I think it's amazing. I, I find it, um, I, I don't know if I said this on the show or just or before, but like, I find it in, inspiring how he, like he's always going back to other works and he's adding notes and like, he's like constantly like revising his thought. Yeah. And I also find it, it, I also find it inspiring that like there's, he's accumulating all this evidence of a conclusion he doesn't want to come to. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's not like, that is not to, ugh, I'm going to, I'm phrasing it in, in a, in, in a negative way, but like, it's not to damn him like that, that, that is, that is a, to absolutely like praise him to, to, you know, like, like, because it, it highlights, this is the important thing. If he, cause if he accepted it too easily, then 
you you kind of lose the 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 the, the edge and the um how pr- provocative and and uh, right. explosive the idea is, which is why I prefer, like you know, I'm writing this book on seriality, and I, I'm r- writing so much about Sartre. I don't know what a reader is going to say. Is like, look, this guy doesn't he doesn't think seriality is a good thing, and and you you do like why you spend so much time on it, you know? And it's because it's because he doesn't think it's a good thing that you can see how important it is, right? You know, right. and and yeah. and like I, so so I think that it's 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 to his it's to his credit that he can't Absolutely. face the idea. It's, Absolutely, it's, right. it's it's logically it's logically strange as we we're like laying out because if we were but if we were just if you could just be cold uh, logicians if you know if you could just have you know pure and or practical reason to kind of pun on Kant, then like then he would have just seen oh I I'm obliged to accept this, but there's a subject here. And there's a subject that doesn't want to incorporate this. There, there, there is a there is a, there is a resistance. It's 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 actually affecting what he's saying about the analytic uh, practice itself and, and and why it's important. You know, like the, there there is something about moving negation drive to the prior to having psychic priority that Freud constantly butts up against. And so we like to trace this out in, in, in these episodes, but it, I, I think it, it has to show how important the idea is and how, even if like, if you have long since accepted the insight of the drive, I, I think something like this is, is worth like going back through and being like, have you accepted it in its, in its utter destructiveness to the person right. who thought it first, you know, like, or, or, or have, have we dampened it and uh, in, in some way? You know, yeah. like that. I, I think it's 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 worth it's well worth going through for that. Absolutely, reason. absolutely, totally agree. So, is the lesson to tell her no? <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> to no tell zombies her reference. No, that's, uh, no, that's uh, pretty good. What's the lesson, Ryan? I think that we did get a film reference, but uh, can you remember it even? Oh my god! Uh, no, I can't. You I don't remember? I think the rest lesson is to watch Ghostbusters. <laughs> When there's something strange, you know what's actually kind of have something on this. This is really yeah. funny. So, yeah. um, the I learned this recently that the producers of the film wanted Huey Lewis to do the theme song. Wow, and he was busy doing, but he was doing Back, Back to, the, to the, Future. the Future. And so, I'm so they got Ray Parker for, Jr. So they got Ray Parker Jr. to do it, and it's a total ripoff of uh, of of. Of Huey Lewis, but they said Power it. of Love. What's the what's of, the song we're doing? Um, I'm forgetting that I'm deliberately repressing that information. Also, okay. the the, but it's a ripoff of Huey Lewis. I think it might even be from, uh, maybe it is from Power of Love. I um, think it is but, Power of Love, and because which is the Back to the Future song, right? Right, so, it's the Back to the yeah. Future song. Yeah. So Ray Parker yeah. Jr. rips it off. There's they settle it out of court though. Okay, it settled out of court. Part of the agreement, which is not known for like 20 years, is that. Um, Huey Lewis cannot say publicly that Ray Parker Jr. ripped him off. And then in an interview for some VH1 special on Huey Lewis in the news, he said, you know, the song that Ray Parker ripped off. And that was a violation of the agreement. And Huey Lewis had to pay Ray Parker damages, like millions of dollars. Oh, my God. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's really (laughs) amazing. That's really so it's a nice it's a nice lesson, a nice object lesson of negation at the uh, end. That's (laughs) really Or don't break your non-disclosure agreement. Don't break. Don't break the NDA. Yeah. All right. All right. Over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. <laughs>